Thank you for tuning in to the best parenting show on the internet. Post Daily Dose. Hey there, Post Institute. This is Christy Saul, the co-founder. Coming at you live with another episode of Post Daily Dose, the best little parenting show on the internet. I pulled out this book to uh, give myself a little um, inspiration. Actually, it was kind of interesting because I'm, I was sitting here thinking, um, what's my message today? What is it? What is it that needs to be shared? And um, a couple of things kind of popped in my mind and it just didn't get solid. And then I pulled the book out and I was reading some things. And then like the same message, the same kind of rambling thought that I had then just came right back to me in the book. So I think that's kind of interesting. Um, so my topic is that, uh, what did I say? <laughs> say, uh, challenging moments, seeing challenging moments as opportunities comes easier when we have flexibility. And hey, Shelby, I miss you too. Um, it's funny that you're on because, again, I'm sitting in front of our small little church building, um, the old meeting place, because we're getting ready to have corporate prayer, prayer tonight. So um, that's why I'm coming on a little early and why I'm not sitting at my desk and um, Shelby, I love you and I love your family. Please give your mama a big hug for me and tell her how much I love her and miss you guys too. So let me come back to this topic. Being able to see challenging situations as opportunities happens easier when we have flexibility. So let's talk about that a little bit. Let's take, in fact, let's take the pandemic as an example. So, the pandemic presented us with a major challenge. And for some people, they get really stuck in that place of challenge because it's very hard to be flexible and make a transition. Um, ironically, if you, I happen to have a lot of, <laughs> a lot of history in hearing wealth building, wealth building tapes and wealth building uh, audio programs over the years. And one of the things that they talk about in wealth building teaching is the ability to have discernment and decision making and being able to do that in a fluid manner. And so being able to see, for example, seeing opportunities in the midst of the pandemic has to do with being able to transition. We see our children struggling with transition. We recognize that a lot of times children who come from tough places really struggle with transition. And part of that is because of that very sensitive amygdala. They already have a hot pilot light. And so asking them to do something different is um, adding stress. Even if what you're doing different is going to be something wonderful, it's still stress. And so any of those changes are stress and that may spark additional cortisol and that may then flood the brain with more cortisol and make it difficult for them to transition. And that can be said for any of us. So for any of us, we can't always see the struggle that we have around transition and around being flexible because we're adults, right? And, you know, we've waited our whole life to be uh, the adult who's in charge because when we were kids, we weren't in charge either. And we said to ourselves, well, when I'm grown, I'm going to be in charge and then I get to make all the decisions. And so we kind of have these same, like we have these, we don't realize how much we are like our children. I think that's kind of the point of realizing that in order to 
use a challenging situation as an opportunity to see the regression, the emotional regression, and to be able to meet the emotional needs that are presented in that moment, wherever your child is emotionally in their emotional age and meeting that need requires us to have flexibility. It requires us to be able to say, oh, I see where we're at now. I need to make an adjustment. I need to be flexible and meet this emotional need because it's an opportunity. But what usually happens is, well, let's just kind of play this scenario out. Our child is asked to transition and then they hit some places of emotional regression and then usually we as adults, our amygdalas get hijacked and we become more rigid about getting through the transition. So then neither is being flexible. We're both being inflexible. I am inflexible saying we must transition and my child is being inflexible saying, no, I'm not going to transition. So we both then hit this wall of inflexibility that's causing the transition to be even more difficult. So realizing that we have much more in common with one another, I think is a very interesting realization. When we can pause and see the emotional need that's being presented and find ways, creative ways to meet those emotional needs. Now, I know a lot of times what I hear parents say is like, yeah, but in that moment, I don't have time to do, 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 because we got to get out the door. Because if we don't get out the door, then we're going to be late. And if we're late, then that's going to be their 15th tardy. And then everybody's going to think I'm a terrible, awful, horrible person. And my child's going to experience a consequence. And we've been late so many times that, heck, we may even have to go to court because of tardiness and absentees and blah, blah. And so then our same awful dooming thinking starts to take over and it's really not much different than when you're trying to help your baby calm down to take a nap and the more anxious you are about them getting to sleep the more difficult it is for them to get to sleep so one of the best things that we can do is to take some deep breaths our anxiety that we add to the equation to try to make this transition happen, whether it's a transition out the door, whether it's a transition from the red crayon to the blue crayon, whether that's the transition to go to bed, when we're adding stress to the equation because fear tells us it must happen now and it must happen this way, then we are entering into the same arena of inflexibility around the transition as our child is. So then we have two people just stuck in that same position. If we can just take a couple of deep breaths and trust that this is all going to work out. <sighs> Calm our own internal state. Then our creativity, we can get more creative about how we can create more emotional regulation around what's being asked. The more we press for it to happen right this minute, the less likely it is going to happen right this minute. So um, those were the thoughts. But then I want to read this piece out of the book because I just love, 
I love how all of this sort of came about. Um, this is at the, the back of the book, From Fear to Love. There's actually a section in the back where there's some short articles that Brian added, and I think it's really great. And so this is on page 103, Meet the Child Where the Child Is. I teach the concept of meeting a child where he is. We could actually just change that to person. Meeting a person where they are, rather than looking at a person from the perspective of their chronological age, size, or cognitive ability. I encourage seeing the person at their emotional age. This is critical on many levels. First, neuroscientist and author Daniel Goleman speaks to the power of the emotional brain by stating that the right hemisphere, emotional brain, is dominant over the left hemisphere, the cognitive brain. This correlates to an emotional hijack. We talked about that yesterday during times of stress. If a person is 16 and wants a bottle, we have a telling indication of the person's stress in that moment. Perhaps even more important, we have an ideal opportunity to meet and connect with the person at a developmentally regressed stage in need of emotional repair. So, when you think about some of those transitions, this is talking about a way to really connect and meet a need that can really grow oxytocin at the brain level and really grow security and really grow attachment. If you have a person who wants a bottle and wants you to feed them a bottle and, response, and is responsive to that, we can get hijacked thinking that's not appropriate. They're too old for that. We're looking at a chronological age. They're too big for that. We're looking at a physical size. We're not seeing the emotional need. When you think about like a transition and the hijack that's happening, being able to say, honey, it's going to be okay. I'm going to be with you. Or I see that this is really distressing by at least speaking to the emotion that you see. I see this is really distressful. I see it's really stressful for you to leave home today. I wonder what it is about leaving home and going to school that's causing the distress because at school you usually have such a good time. I know it's hard to leave one good time to go to the next good time and I see that's what I'm asking you to do. Come on baby, take my hand. I think we can make this together. When we can calm and I'm just making that up. I don't know what words are appropriate for your family, for your child. You know, that's that piece of knowing your child and trusting what you know about them. But when we get hijacked, we can get locked into the same rigidity. You must transition. And they're over here in a I must not transition space. And so then we just, we have two people who are experiencing an amygdala hijack. We're called to be the adults, and so being adults doesn't mean might makes right. Being adults means that I have the ability to take some deep breaths and calm myself so that I can help guide my child through this transition versus, versus trying to force the transition. So um, meeting your child where they're at, meeting people. One of the things that, why, why I keep wanting to come back and say the word people is because I realized that one of the things that I spend time doing in my work when I'm doing coaching with parents is meeting them right where they're at. 
And sometimes that means I'm meeting them in a place where they're emotionally regressed. They're experiencing an amygdala hijack. Pam says, I'm currently hiding in the bedroom. <sighs> Excellent. Excellent. So, there you are, hiding in your bedroom. You must be feeling a lot of stress. There must be a lot of stress in the environment. You're calming yourself. You're getting your amygdala calm. And I know that it's tempting to want to come out with a master game plan and have it all figured out. But here's what I want to invite you to do, Pam. I want you to get your heart postured, get yourself calm, take those deep breaths. And when you go back into the situation, instead of feeling like you need to fix it and have all the answers, I want you to just allow your calm. Just imagine that, and when you come back, imagine that your calm, because it is, your calm is creating calm. Your calm is creating calm. Your calm is contagious. Your calm is contagious. And once you're calm, and you can go spread some of that calm around, and it may be that you go back, and it may be that you say, whoo, that got heated. I'm feeling a little bit better. We're going to make it through this. You know, I know you have a lot of new. You have a lot of new going on in your home, so you don't... You don't have the privilege, Pam, no offense, you don't have the privilege of staying in there for too long because <laughs> you've got kids who aren't necessarily going to do well unsupervised, but neither are they going to do well if you're flipped out. So it's all going to be okay. It's all going to be okay. It's all going to be okay. Yeah, it's sticky and there's a lot of needs. There's a lot of kids who have a lot of needs. It's a high need situation right now, but I know you've got this, so... You know, just try to keep things really simple. Remind them that they're safe. Remind them that they're loved. Remind them that there's plenty. You know, and when you're ready to go back in, you can just go and find a place in the common area, wherever that is in your house. And maybe that means you just go sit on the couch and you just wait for them to come to you because you're going to be in that calm state and they're going to come to you and then they're going to, you know, there's going to be a competition about whether or not there's enough room on the couch or enough room on your lap. And there is. There's enough love. There's enough of you. There's enough. The love is the funny thing. The more we spread it, the more it grows. It doesn't, it doesn't run out. Like other things, when you spread it around, it runs out. But love doesn't do that. It gets to grow the more you spread it. And so reminding them of that. I'm glad we know each other a little bit because I really feel like even though we're not in a live coaching call, I really feel like, um, you know, we know each other at least enough that um, you can catch this message and you can put it to good use. Um, feel free to reach out um, if you get a chance, maybe later tonight or the next day and let me know how things go. But I know it's very stressful right now and uh, we can all step into a place of feeling really rigid about it has to go this way or that way and as long as as long as everybody's safe and it's not life and death let's not turn it into that talking about all of this just makes me it makes me want to share a story of myself when marley was little um i, I took her her michaela 
um, my stepdaughter, Marley's older sister, and Marley and I went to the circus. Marley was about two, and I was really looking forward to it. I'd never been, if I'd ever been to the circus, I'd been really little. And uh, we get there, and um, we get seated, and Marley just bursts out in tears. I mean, she really comes apart. So I take her out, and we walk around, and she gets calm, and we look at the all the pretty things and all the shiny things and, you know, distract, calm, settle. We go back to where the circus is going to be, and she just has another big fall apart. Um, so I so we go back to the lobby, and I think this time, like I really feel like her tears sounded as if, uh, if she could have articulated it, like she had felt betrayed. Like I calmed down, and then you took me right into that terrifying, scary, loud, busy place. And now that I look back at it, she was too young. She was too young to be at the circus. Her vision wasn't good enough to even really see what was going on. It was noisy. It had weird smells. It was super stimulating. There were lots of people. You know, it, was, it wasn't the best parenting choice to even go to the circus to begin with. But I didn't realize that, you know. But we, we leave again. And this time, we get a bag of popcorn. We go to Blockbusters, and we have a slumber party in our living room. And Michaela tells me, that's okay, Christy. I always thought this, those clowns were kind of scary anyway. <laughs> and so, one of the things about that story is, what Marley and Michaela did not know is that inside of me, everything inside of me was fighting this blueprint that things had to be a certain way, that by God, we had bought those tickets because... You know, in part of my raising is kind of like the, the Griswolds. Like, we're going to have fun. By God, we're going to have fun. We bought these tickets and we're going to go and we're going to have fun if it kills us. I have those blueprints in me. And it took a lot of maturity for me to parent in the situation I was in, not the situation I came from. And it, I know we all go through that. We all go through moments where we feel invited to parent directly from the blueprints we came from. And we have to pause. And we have to challenge that. And we have to say, is that really fit for this situation? Because are we really going to have fun? Is, you know, what's going to come out of this? Is this going to be just like torturing all of us? Because that wasn't the intention in planning the trip. So sometimes we just have to forfeit the circus and get our popcorn and go do what's really going to be fun because that was the whole bottom line anyway. So I hope you guys take something from that. You know, we're all going to make mistakes. The, the key is trying to catch the mistake when we notice it and meet our children where they're at, where they're at emotionally, not chronologically, not based on their size, based on where they are emotionally in that moment. So, if you've not already done so today, press pause. Press pause on all the ways you thought it was supposed to go. All the things you, you're stressed about, all your things you're worried about, all the things you're teaching about with words. And instead, let your energy, let your calm, loving energy be the guiding force for your family. 
Go spend time with your babies, pouring into them. Let, the, let them feel the love you have from your body. Let them see it in your eyes. Let them feel it from your heart. If you can play together, play together. If right now playing together is just going to create more conflict, then maybe that means you put on some favorite cartoons and everybody flops around and watches together and just relaxes and en enjoys the safety of just being together. Remember, in any given moment, we can act out of our blueprints of stress and fear and overwhelm and fix it, fix it, fix it, and it's got to be this way, got to be this way. But we can take one to two to three deep breaths. We can recognize that our children have different needs. We're not our parents. Our children aren't us. We can take some deep breaths and we can take it one step at a time on a loving path based on knowing what you know about your babies. Much love to you guys. Have a blessed weekend and we'll see you all on Monday.